0: turn this thing on again I guess we'll pick up the part <clears throat> Isaiah 8 5-7 and Jehovah spake unto me Isaiah says again saying for as much as this people have refused the waters of Shiloh that goes softly and rejoice uh, in resin and Rimatha's son. Now you got to recognize right off that God's not talking here about a literal water, but the Bible uses the word water to speak of God's supply of the truth. In Revelation the twenty the twenty first twenty second chapter, you read about right off the get go in that chapter. Uh, John said, "I saw a river flowing from the throne of God." And in it and on either side of it was the tree of life. And the nations were invited to partake of it. And so it stands for the truth. And so he's saying you trusted in these kings, Rezin and uh, Remathah's son. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river strong and mighty, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. So who was this Water that he was talking about—it tells you even the king of Assyria—and so he brought this king of Assyria upon him, and it should come come up over the channels and go over the banks. Again, he's not talking about a literal river; he's talking about Assyria and the army as it flows in there and destroys like a like the waters of a river, like a flood. And it shall sweep onward into Judah. And it shall overflow and pass through. And the, the uh, stretching out of its wings shall fill the breadth of the whole land. O Emmanuel. The Lord said uh, through his prophet Amos, he said, I will pass through the midst of thee, saith Jehovah. Turn over to Amos 5 and verse 17. Amos 5:17. And all the vineyards shall be wailing." He's talking to His own people. They're not going to be happy when God shows up in judgment. Because He says, "...for I will pass through the midst of thee, saith Jehovah." Well now, what does that mean? That God was just going to walk through them? Uh, It's not speaking literally. And you can see it when you study the book. Because, uh, turn over to the 6th chapter, verse 14. And he'll tell you how he's fixing to pass through as a nation. He says, For behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O uh, house of Israel, saith Jehovah, the God of hosts. And so Amos here explains how this would be accomplished by the Lord. He's going to use an enemy to pass through and overflow him like a river. And so the nation which the the God of hosts, that is the God of all the nations, because when you read about the God of hosts, that's a statement of God being the God of all the nations, not just Israel. Uh, uh, So uh, the nation which God uh, of hosts was to raise up was Assyria, uh, that nation. And this prophecy was fulfilled in 721 that we mentioned over here by Sargon and Shalmaneser, the Assyrians. And uh, so let's turn over to 2 Kings 17 and let's read about that time and why God judged them that way and walked through them with Assyria. 2 Kings 17. (coughs)
1: In the 20th
0: year, verse 1, of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elam, to reign in Samaria over Israel and reign nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah, yet not as the king of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, Now this is talking about 721 when God destroyed those ten tribes. And Hosea became his uh, servant and brought him him tribute. And the king of Assyria uh, found conspiracy in Hosea for he had sent messengers to Saul who was king of Egypt and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. So here he rebelled. He's not sending the taxes to Assyria, but he's sending them south to Egypt, and he's buying Egypt as a protector. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year, verse 6, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away unto Assyria, 721 B.C. And placed them in Hala and on the harbor, the river of uh, Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, the Medes and the Persians. And it was so because, now here's the reason why God walked through them with Assyria. Here's why he raised up a nation that overflowed its its banks like a river and uh, and took them. And it was so because the children of Israel had sinned against Jehovah their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. And they walked in the statutes of the nations whom Jehovah cast out. You see what their problem was? They wanted to be like the other nations. They walked in the statutes of the other nations. God help us that we never pattern our our life patterns or our religion according to the other nations and according to the other churches. Now, let me bring this in real quick. The Church of Christ has been following the denominational world for a long time. In my lifetime, I have saw it. You know where the bus ministry came from? That is an ungodly thing—a bus ministry. But doesn't it sound good to go gather up the children in the community, bring them down, and teach them about God, and uh, uh, and have uh, summer. What do they call that, Butch? Bible Where they have a summer Bible school. Uh, a Bible school. Vacation yep. Bible school. Yeah, all of that stuff. The Bible don't teach that, and that's the wrong way to go about it in the first place. The children are going to listen to the parents and follow the example of the parents. That's why God gave them parents. You can't correct your own grandchildren. Or you, know, you can make them not tear out your house and, and, and break the windows. But when those little rodents leave your house, they know good and well that you don't have authority over them. And they're not going to listen to you. They're going to listen to mom and dad. And so, here they walked in the statutes of the nations whom Jehovah cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they made. And the children of Israel did secretly things that were not right against Jehovah their God. And they built them high places in all of their cities from the tower uh, of the watchman to the fortified city. And they set them up Pillars and ashrams upon every high hill and under every green tree, and there they burnt incense in all of the high places, as did the nations whom Jehovah carried away before them. You see, they just had to be like the other nations. How come they had a king? Wasn't God their king uh, in earlier in their history? Yes, he was. They rejected him because God was ruling Israel through the judges. You read about it in the book of Judges. And all they wanted a king. And God said, no, you don't want a king, and here's why. You take your boys off to war. He'll tax you to death. And God made a list of what kings do ever since then. But what was their reply to God? We want to be like the other nations. And so they rejected God as their king, and and God in his wrath set them up exactly what they thought they wanted. He set up Saul as king over Israel. Saul was head and shoulders taller than any man in his army. And God set him up to mock them in their rebellion, because they trusted in human might, not in Jehovah. And so they looked upon Saul. Boy, look at the statue of that man. Man, he can be a leader. He, He can be a captain of our army. He can be a general. And he'll lead us to victory. They didn't trust God. They trusted in human might. God also commanded them to not have any horses. And even David had stalls full of... 20,000 or something like that of horses. They've uncovered that in archaeology. Why did God command them not to have horses? Because horses back then was not a little child's plaything. It wasn't for little girls to ride around and enjoy the community. A horse was a vehicle of war. And it meant they didn't trust in Jehovah, they trusted in horses. And that's why God commanded them not to have horses. Alright, so, uh, and they wrought wicked things to provoke Jehovah to anger, and they served idols, whereof Jehovah had said unto them, "You shall not do these things. Yet Jehovah testified unto Israel and unto Judah, by every prophet and every seer. So here we're seeing the patience of God, and we're seeing his determination to try to turn them, uh, by them listening to him, and they wouldn't do it. Because it says uh, he spoke to Judah and Israel by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law, which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. What Stephen say they've done to the, to the prophets? Killed every one of them. In Acts 7, 51, he finished his sermon after showing the history of Israel from Abraham all the way through. And then he concluded it with these words. As he spoke to the leaders of the Jewish nation and the high priests and all of them, he said, Ye do always resist the Spirit of God. Always. As your fathers did, so do ye. And he proved it to him. He said, you, you're kind of hindrance, you're kind of holding back of believing what I said? Well, I'll prove it to you. Show me one of the prophets that your fathers hadn't killed that God sent to them. They were a rebellious bunch. And yet, at the same time, you wouldn't find a more religious people than the Jew. Now, you know what kind of picture that presents to us today? Church, Christ is a lot like that. Oh boy, they worship Jehovah. They're there for the Lord's supper, and they're you know they just bellow and sing loud and all that. But your heart's not in it. Same as the Jew. And in all of that, they resist the Spirit of God. Malachi four verse six, I think it is. Uh, Malachi asked him. What does God require of you but to do justly, love, kindness, and those things? I forget. I'm not sure about where it's at. Uh, Nevertheless, they would not hear. Did you underline that? You need to underline that. They would not hear. They were very religious, just like we are. But does the church of Christ listen? No. They've got it in their mind. Their mindset is, I've been baptized. I'm saved. And to hell with everything else. I'm not going to waste my time going to class and studying that old book. It's boring. But I'm I'm a Christian. You see how contradictory that is. But that's how people are. They haven't changed. When when Paul said in Romans 15:4 that those things were written for our learning that we through patience a couple of the scriptures might have hope. When we look back at God's church, the church of God in the Old Testament, we're looking at the church of God today. Oh, a different covenant, but human nature has not changed. And so we're looking into a looking glass and we're seeing how we perform. We're no different than those people. And that's why all of the admonitions in the New Testament, to uh, uh, look hard at your uh, service to God. All right, Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but they hardened their neck, lacked to the neck of their fathers, who believed not in Jehovah their God. Now again, uh, I mentioned a minute ago that you wouldn't find a more religious people than the Jews. And Paul testified to that. In Romans 10, 1 and 2, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You know what's the matter with the denominational world? They have a zeal for God, don't they? The Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, the Baptists, and all of them, the Catholics, don't they have a, a an ardent desire for Jehovah? But not according to the knowledge of this book. And there's a problem. There is their problem. They're not listening to God. If it don't fit their program, if it doesn't fit their lifestyle, they don't, they don't accept it. They don't listen to it. And they read uh, verse 15. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified unto them. And they followed vanity. And they became vain. And they went after the nations that were round about them. Now that's the third time we've read that. They went after the other nations round about them. And again, the Church of Christ followed the Baptists in this bus ministry and in classrooms. Do you know that the church never had classrooms until uh, about 300 years ago? You didn't know that, did you? Study what history we have of the church. You know why they started having classrooms for children? Because, see, teaching children is mother and father's responsibility. It's not the brethren's responsibility. Because here's a good-hearted brother teaching your kids wrongly and down in the classroom and you're not there, and you can't rebuke that. You can't stop that. So your kid grows up with wrong ideas. And it wasn't that brother's fault. He, he just didn't know. It's always been interesting to me that uh, in the Church of Christ, they're always looking for teachers. And they'll approach the audience, you know. Does anybody wanna teach? We need teachers for the droolers and the scooters and for the teenagers and, I don't know, they got them all classified in different groups. You know who's gonna volunteer to teach? The one that shouldn't be a teacher. Let's just take somebody. Let's take uh, uh, Sister Sue. I don't think there's any Sues here, so I won't won't hurt anybody's feelings. Sister Sue was (coughs) baptized two weeks ago. She don't understand. She spent a whole lifetime in the Baptist doctrine or the Methodist doctrine or the Presbyterian doctrine, and she has a heart of gold, bless her heart, but she don't know the truth. She needs to be sitting in the adult class where the elders are teaching the whole congregation. But where, where's she at? The, the elders, they, have we got anybody who wants to be teachers? Me, 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 me. They want to do something for the Lord because they were just baptized two weeks ago. And so they become a teacher. That's not taught in the Bible at all. Bible classes, but we got them. Where'd we get them? Because we want to be like the other nations, we want to be like the denomination of the world. We just couldn't handle it. Bus ministry, classes. I heard a well-known preacher that's known worldwide, and I heard him at a world evangelism forum as he condemned the church for not having. Missions for young people like the Mormons. And he said, as soon as I get out of this lecture, I'm headed up to Salt Lake City to learn how they do it. And so we got schools down south called AIM programs. And Churches of Christ send their daughters and their sons, young ones down there like the Mormons. And they go and puff them up with a bunch of instruction, and then they send them off. And mom and dad and the congregation they came from is the one that supports them, just like the Mormons. And right here locally, I remember years ago reading letters that was published on the bulletin board by little girls 17, 18, 19 years old that went through the AIM program. And it's only just a few months' uh, instruction. It's just enough to make them smart-alecks. That's all. They don't understand love yet. They're not preaching the truth in love. They just know some scripture. And they're going forth. And and here, uh, this one particular girl, she was writing back from overseas where she was dispatched, (coughs) and she was telling the congregation here locally in the dry cities, she was telling them weekly how she thought the the church was progressing and what they were doing wrong and what they were doing right according to her, and she sounded like the apostle, the apostle Paul. Oh, shame on us! But that's what we do because we want to be like the other nations, the other churches. Yeah, Merle, I am when I was the last guy, I had a friend, he was a white-collar, he, he investigated white-collar crimes for the state patrol, and he gave a little talk to the church about what the subject girl of are Sunday school classes, and he said, let me tell you church leader, something, I never met a child molester that wasn't a Sunday school teacher. You said well, that's you a get good get place to... from the start in, or yeah. drive a school bus. You said if you get yeah. a new member in your congregation, I want to teach. I want to teach. You said you better, be, yeah. you better be careful. We never learn. We're. That's why the Lord referred to us time and again as sheep, because there's nothing more dumber than a sheep. Does everybody agree with that? Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't hold up your hand, and we'll argue. You Smell like a goat. A sheep has all the confidence in the world with a roaring lion. Walk right into his teeth and don't realize the danger. And that's why the Lord told about leaving the 99 sheep and going after the one that had wandered away to save him. All of us need God's direction because we're sheep. But we're too busy going out on our own mentality and our own thinking and doing our thing. <laughs> and so the Lord befittingly called us sheep. And in Matthew 25, when he spoke of the final judgment, he spoke of the separating the sheep and the goats. Now, don't ever be deceived. Don't be so naive as to think because... One of our members leaves our audience that, oh, the elders and the preachers ought to run after him. Because the elders and the preachers generally know who's sheep and who's goats. And a goat knows what he's doing. And I'll tell you firsthand, my Christianity does not teach me to leave the 90 and 9 and go after a goat. He's where he wanted to be in the first place. He's in rebellion. He's a goat. Maybe that's why Jesus used it, the the, uh, analogy of sheep and goats. A sheep, it just dumb. A goat knows full well what he's doing. They went after the nation round about them, uh, concerning whom Jehovah had uh, charged them that they should not do like them. Uh, verse 16, And they forsook all of the commandments of Jehovah their God and made themselves molten images, even two calves and made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven. And they served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. And they used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah to provoke him to anger. Therefore, now therefore is based upon wherefore that went before, and we just read it. For this reason, Jehovah was very angry with Israel, the ten tribes, and he removed them out of his sight. He destroyed ten tribes. That's pretty much all of them, isn't it? Numerically. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Verse 19. Also Judah kept not the commandments of Jehovah their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel that we just read about. Don't ever pattern yourself after another church of Christ. Don't do that without searching it out. You know, we get in habit, we, we say to ourselves, or, yeah, Lord. I drove past the street there and I seen a sign that said, Church Christ, we got to go there. Well, yes and no, maybe not. 1 John 4.1, John didn't say, a "Brethren, brother believe not every sign. He said, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits that they manifest through their preaching and their teaching to see whether they are from God. And here's why, because John said many false prophets have went out into this world. They're religious, but they're false. And so we don't even pattern ourselves after the other churches, do we? Now, if, they got a, if they're following in the ways of the word, yes, we follow them. We, we look upon them, we say, boy, the way they do that is scriptural and it's good. And we need to do that here at Benton City. But well, we don't buy it just because the church Christ does it. Did you hear what I said? Because there's more than uh, just a name, Church Christ. The proof that Christ built it is in its doctrine, in its worship. And so Israel, uh, Judah done the same thing. They walked in the statues of Israel, which they made, and Jehovah rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David and they he took 10 tribes out of it. And they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king and uh, Jeroboam drove Israel from following Jehovah and made them sin a great sin. And the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until Jehovah removed Israel out of his sight as he spoke by all his servants, the prophets. Are you going to read in the prophets where God warned them that he was going to remove them? Oh, yeah. So you can anticipate that when you're studying and reading through the prophets. So Israel was carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this very day. And so when God spoke through Amos, that I will pass through the midst of thee, saith Jehovah, in Amos five seventeen. And then he told us in the 6th chapter, verse 14, we read a minute ago, uh, he said, For behold, I will raise up against you a nation. And that nation was Assyria, as we read here in 2 Kings 17. And so we've taken several scriptures and seen how that they all spoke of the same destruction, the same judgment on the 10 tribes. And it's because of their re- rebellion against Jehovah. Well, Judah also rebelled, and her judgment was announced, and Babylon foretold as the instrument of destruction. Jeremiah twenty-five, eight and nine. Let's turn over there real quick. We got a half a minute. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty five, eight and nine. Therefore thus saith Jehovah of host, because ye have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all of the families of the north, the northern kingdom, saith Jehovah. And I will send unto Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Here's a wicked king, it's God's servant, only in that God used him as a servant to come over and destroy, take them away captive. And Jehovah, say to Jehovah, I will send unto Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about. And so God not only punished Judah, he also punished all the other nations. And you remember in our study of the minor prophets What did uh, Sennacherib and Sargon and Shalmaneser do when they come down from the north, from Assyria, and took those 10 tribes? Did they stop there? No. (laughs) You're reading the prophets, they came on down by the decree of God, and they licked up all of Judah, except for Jerusalem. They went down and they licked up Egypt, according to God's prophecies. And then on their march back to Assyria, They found out that they had forgotten the city of Jerusalem. Now, what's the city of Jerusalem? Well, in the Psalms, God says, I've chosen Zion and Jerusalem as my city forever. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a literal city. That's where you went to uh, confront God about matters, in the temple. Where do you go today? Jerusalem, the spiritual Jerusalem called the church, Hebrews 12 verse 19 and 20, Paul said, speaking to Christians, you have not come unto Mount Zion that might be touched and burned with fire and brimstone and was so awesome that the people feared. And Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you've come unto Jerusalem, the heavenly city of God, the city that contains the firstborn, that is the place of just men made perfect and of angels and uh, and of God in his residency. And I will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hiss, hissing and a perpetual desolation. Okay, that was fulfilled in 586 when Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem breached the walls and captured the city and carried away the people captive to Babylon. And let's read about that and that'll be the end of our study tonight. 2 Chronicles 36, 17 through 21. 2 Chronicles 36, 17 through 21. therefore can you start at 15 I didn't hear you can you start at 15 2nd Chronicles 36 verse well let's begin verse 16 and uh, read down through 21 but they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words, and they scoffed at his prophets. Stephen said to kill every one of them eventually, ultimately. Until the wrath of Jehovah arose against his people. Talking about Israel, his people. Until there was no remedy. God tried everything in the world to turn these people about, but there, it finally got to where there was no remedy. You know, that's what he said in Hosea 2, verse 14 and 15. I will allure her into the valley of trouble, speaking of Babylon's captivity. And he said, there she give answer to me, and it will be her only, her last door of hope. All right. Uh, uh, Verse 17. Therefore, uh, he brought upon them the king of the Chaldeans, that's Nebuchadnezzar, who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men or uh, virgins, old men, or hoary hoary heads, Uh, he gave them all into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. God did. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of Jehovah and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon, and they burnt the house of God, and break down the walls of Jerusalem, and burn all the palaces thereof were with fire, and destroyed all of the godly the goodly vessels therein thereof. And then that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, and they were servants to him and his sons, until the reign of the kingdom king's Kingdom of Persia, and to fulfill the word of Jehovah by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. For as long as it lay desolate, it kept Sabbaths to fulfill three score and ten years. then we read about the, uh, the return and the repossession of Judah uh, for this Jehovah used Cyrus the king of the mighty Medo-Persian empire and look while you're there in 2nd Chronicles uh, look at 36 where we just read from and look at verse 22 the very next verse and verse 23 Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, does that ring any bells with you? you remember Daniel and his interpretation of a dream of four kingdoms? And he told Nebuchadnezzar, Thou art the head of gold. Your kingdom was represented by a head of gold. And the breasts and the arms of silver represented an inferior kingdom, which you find out in chapter 5 of Daniel was the Medo-Persians. And then there was the belly of brass, uh, which is inferior to silver. And that spoke, uh, in chapter 8, it's declared to be uh, the the Persians, the Medo-Persians. And then there was a fourth kingdom, the one right after those three. And we know that to be wrong, because in verse 44, chapter 2, God said in the days of those kings, the kings of the fourth kingdom, the God of heaven set up the kingdom will never be destroyed, nor the sovereignty left to another people. And so that kingdom is when Christ came and set it up in the days of the Roman Empire. Uh, so he says in verse 22, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of Jehovah by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, Jehovah stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. He stirred him up so after 70 years to send the children of Israel back to rebuild the city of Jerusalem with all the blessing and the money of heathens, of pagans. And so he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and put it also in writing saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath Jehovah the God of heaven given me. And so. Nebuchadnezzar ruled over the whole universe and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem which is in Judah and whosoever there is among you of all his people Jehovah his God be with him and let him go up now look at Ezra the next page over the next prophet over Ezra uh, chapter 1 and the first couple verses Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of Jehovah by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, Jehovah stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, and so that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdoms, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath Jehovah, the God of heaven, given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. This pagan king, this heathen, he bows his chest out. and says, yeah, God commissioned me to go and send you people back to, and he charged me to build the house of Jehovah. He was impressed with Jehovah, wasn't he? Because he'd seen the power of him. But did he worship Jehovah? No. No more Nebuchadnezzar did. Well, that's as far as we're going to get this evening. Yeah, that's as far as we're gonna get. Just stand and sing our closing him. <clears throat> Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without you. Don't lead anyone astray with the words that we teach, the words that we preach. I pray that the way that we live our life, they can see the beauty of you within us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.